Welcome to the All That's Holy Blue Collar Podcast. Thought-provoking interviews with interesting guests and commentary on everything. Food, sports, God, gardening, church, politics, music, movies, comedy, you name it, we talk about it. I'm Cody Stopper. And this is Craig Morton. On this podcast, we talk to writers, teachers, activists, and we seek some wisdom. And as always, we are allergic to big words, but not to big ideas. Profound things will be said, but entirely by accident. So now we got the groundwork done. Recording in progress, Craig, joining us. Okay, well, I live to me, it won't be to our listeners. From Arizona, Tempe, Arizona. So every time that we uh, uh, have recorded, yes, it's always been live. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, could, we couldn't really do a Zoom conversation with pre. I guess we could do pre-recorded. Oh, oh, that'd be <laughs> oh, that'd be fun. We should try to imagine how our conversation would go and record our parts to it. And then just play on each end of the Zoom and see what happens, what mumble jumbo comes up. It's like in, it's like in, uh, there's, um, what's the name? Scategories, that game, you know, there's the art category. And in the art category, they have a, you have to draw with your eyes closed. And, you know, you get the topic. That actually, that actually sounds like a brilliant idea. <laughs> that would be kind of fun. Okay. Um, We'd, we'd have to uh, add two more feeds. Yes. Uh, so that each of those um, pre-recorded segments would be on, you know, come in. Yeah. And then you and I would also have to be on there just to add commentary along the way. Oh, yeah. That would be, that would be hilarious. I yeah. think that'd be fun. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, Craig joining us in Tempe, Arizona. I'm Cody, of course, in today, this morning, very cold Clarkston, Washington, 23 degrees this morning. And it's very cold here in Tempe, Arizona. It's a, it's like 60 degrees. There's freaking grapefruit on the tree behind you. And there's no sunshine. It's the Valley <laughs> of the sun and it's all overcast. Oh, I feel so bad. Oh. It actually looks like the Pacific Northwest sky. Yeah, it kind of does. I'm like, I was like, oh yeah, that what feels out of the ordinary doesn't feel out of the ordinary to me. Except the palm trees and the grapefruit make it look <laughs> a little bit different. It so. does. It's weird. All right. So Craig and I, uh, Craig, we have an episode coming out here. Has it already come out? I can't. I, it, it has not come okay. out. I sent you a, a write up to edit. I did, and I did some either last night or the night before. I can't remember. Excellent. So it Excellent. might not have alerted you because it was so kind of it'll, 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 it'll be available soon. Then, soon. All right. Okay. But in the meantime, which by we... the time we say this on this, <laughs> then that will have been done on that one. Yeah. 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 So it's like if anybody hears you say that, then it's time to look backward. That's true. It was probably uh, what I'm referring to is our episode with Kaylee Hargrove. Uh, you'll have just listened to it if you're going sequentially. <laughs> it's, right. really, it's really important to do that. It's <laughs> so important. All right. But we're doing a quick one today with no guest. Craig on the and, road. All sorts of stuff going on. So here's what we thought we'd tackle. 
There's a lot of talk here lately about, okay, this is what sparked my wanting to talk about anything doing with this kind of topic. So Tom Brady recently retired after 20 years, 22 years, 22 years. Is that right? I would go 22. Yeah. Somewhere around there. <laughs> and he, if that's 22 years, that's a long time. And even, even with the retirement, there's lots of, most people are like, yeah, I could still keep going. Like he was still MVP candidate uh less than you know one year removed from a super bowl i think it's because he has that hyperbaric chamber in his house or something like that and so you you look at him and you think that dude could keep going contrast that with somebody who was just in the super bowl his name's ricardo allen and safety for the Bengals. just finished his eighth year which is still longer than the average nfl career but it is it, which quite is quite a bit i think what, what two two years three years something think, like that? yeah i think it's three or less yeah yeah so three or less right. and uh, but i think three is the important cutoff because that's when lifetime medical uh, oh, insurance oh, kicks in oh i didn't know that yeah oh that's interesting okay so yeah so he's retiring didn't win the super bowl he was with the Bengals. um had a pretty you know accomplished fairly accomplished career but you know you know you say ricardo allen and people are like yeah what who yeah but tom brady no tom brady yeah. not a tom brady so i wanted to ask craig how do you know when it is time to quit <laughs> what what so is that directed at me personally i mean are you trying <laughs> what to are you gonna give up craig <laughs> stop no 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 but let's yeah i mean not just it doesn't have to be in careers it can be in anything like when do you know well, I mean, like it, as a it, pastor when do you know that person they ain't coming back to church or, you know, or, you know, like I still want to maintain a relationship with them, but I have, you know, 30 other people in church that I also need to, and I, maybe I'm done, you know, maybe this person, this season is done with this person. Okay. So, so that, that opens up a huge, question. Oh, I know. I'm going, I'm going two different directions with this. One mm -hmm. is there's the whole Michael Jordan thing. Yeah. It's like, well, maybe it's time to pick up, you know, uh, going to baseball. I mean, oh, sure. Try I mean, something different. Tom Brady could probably <laughs> play for a, you know, a minor league team. Yeah. Since that was sure. his, that was his other major sport. That's right. That's right. And, uh, you know, he probably wouldn't be a pitcher, but I could see him at first base. Yeah. Oh, heck yeah. Or, yeah. You know, mm -hmm. Just, you know, having a nice tall first baseman. I don't know if you can still do the splits, but at that point, <laughs> that'd be helpful. Uh -huh. uh, but, Designated hitter, I guess. Yeah, and then well, that's if he has an eye for yeah. I don't know. I don't know, but but um, no, but that's that's that's. So what is? I mean, quitting doesn't really seem like a like something that's in the. In the it doesn't have to, it's, it, it doesn't have to be like fina finality. Yeah. Okay. But, you know what I mean? Yeah. But in the other, but the other other case, you said like you know what? How do you know when it's time to stop? You know, once once somebody stops showing up at church or whatever, or or just in your personal relationships, like uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's when you follow the apostle Paul and just consign them to Satan. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, you don't want to be my friend. Okay. I just, I just, I, 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 I that's not serious. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, you can go to hell, buddy. <laughs> but, uh. Yeah, but that's that's I don't I don't think Tom Brady's done. No, I well right. I mean, see, that's what I'm saying. Like, un unless he becomes one of those Tim Tebow guys, and I just don't see that happening, where he <laughs> you know keeps trying and it's not a very positive experience. Right. Kind of like Michael Jordan in baseball. Right. 
and yep. team Tim, uh, Tim Tebow in baseball. Tried baseball. That's yeah. true. He did. Um, but they're two vastly different personalities. Very different. You know, um, do you remember? I don't know if you remember this. Not long after Michael Jordan, maybe like two or three years after Michael Jordan did the baseball thing. Do you remember Garth Brooks, the country singer, trying baseball? Yes. Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. It's kind of impressive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was, he, well, he, I don't know if you've ever seen, I'm sure you've seen video from some Garth Brooks concerts. What dude is freaking athletic, you know, all over the stage, climbing well, things. He's, he's tending to look less, less. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, he never looked, happen. he never looked ultra athletic. I mean, he was always. He, he, he actually looked like a, like a major league pitcher from like the eighties. Yeah, there you go. Like a kid. Remember when they didn't work out and they kind of had a nice, you know, kind of. Fernando Valenzuela bit. style. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's like, it's like they thought they could get more whip in that pitch if they just, you know, put a few inches around. <laughs> <laughs> that's yep oh yeah yeah he, he has kind of always looked like that or like you know, a, i wonder i wonder if during the 80s if pitchers would have been a lot more fit yeah if actually it would have uh curtailed or changed the whole designated hitter rule huh. when did the when did it officially start wasn't it the late 70s or it sounds 80s? about right so it's yeah it's been around a long time and then um and now it's now it's league wide. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yep, which destroys uh oh, who was the who was the guy last year that was so phenomenal? Shohei. Yep. Yeah. I mean yep, yep, yep. He uh can he still be the designated hitter and a pitcher? Hmm. I mean Ooh, I don't know. So, He's good, so speaking of when is it time to retire? So the thing is maybe it's time for him to hang up his baseball bat. Shohei, yeah, and now he's so young, man. I know, but then I was just wondering how does how does that happen when you're good at both? Does he does he yeah. pitch in rotation yeah. and then on the other days he's the DH? Oof. I mean, I have that's he kind of did that. There was days he pitched and hit. Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. So, so how how would you answer that question? So, boy, yeah, I, I'm like you. It kind of depends on what avenue we're talking about. So. Um, I don't know about quitting, but I know that there's a sense where I have like, okay, I only, I'm so limited in my, you know, whatever energy, focus, strength, whatever it might be. And when something, when more than one thing is vying for all of that at the same time, and that's always, that's every day of everybody's life. Um, ah, boy, I don't like if it's a relationship issue, I say, well, I've done what I can do. I'm not giving up, but I'm so limited. Right now, this door seems closed. So I'm going to channel towards doors that seem more open or more fruitful or more productive with the understanding of, you know, like I, I don't necessarily always give up on that, but, you know, I'm open to that. I'm available to that. As far as quitting, like, I don't know, like, so the only time I've ever, well, so jobs, I've quit some jobs, but that's always because like new things came that were more in line with, you know, what I feel like I should be doing. So I worked at uh, Albertsons as a 
produce in the produce department while being a minister, for example. And that worked fine for a couple of years. But when um, the, the church needed, I guess, not, you know, more of my time or effort, you know, we were expanding, we were growing, we we're adding efforts in ministry areas like food bank, food pantry, stuff like that. That's when I knew, okay, like this is uh, needing more time, more attention. And I only, again, I only have so much to get. I can't do two jobs. So I would love to be a buy, you know, a two, two job and have more of my money come from the separate thing so that I'm not, you know what I mean? As a pastor. Well, yeah. I, so, I mean, cause I've been doing that for mm-hmm. 20 plus years. Right. Yeah. Back in the old days, it was called bivocational. Yeah. Bivocational. Which made the assumption that you only had two other jobs. I mean, uh-huh. two jobs. Totally. Right. right. And no, four, five, trivocational. Co- co-vocational, mm-hmm. which was this idea that you had, you know, a few different ones that were focused on enabling you to do the one primary thing. Right. They were kind of cooperative or, you know, kind of secondary, but supporting. Mm-hmm. And then I think now I'm at the place multi so it's just multi multi vocational, yeah, and yep. and no one seems to really take uh, center stage, right? So so that question is, of, you know, how do you how do you end a job or how do you transition out or when do you know that it's time? It's the one thing about the consulting roles was that it's always ending. Yeah, true. That's right. So um, it, it wraps up. And, it's and, done. And one of the temptations in a really good consult is and by really good i mean it's good relationships you feel like you're making headway some some you know good insights are developed and that kind of stuff plus it pays well <laughs> right. the, the real temptation is to milk it you know it's like well sure. maybe we need one more session or let's continue because you're seeing fruitfulness you're seeing you know value being created but there's also a part where you just kind of like yeah no it just gotta let go yep and yep. The, i think i think that the term the determining factor is, is it, do you carry on because, because it's for you right? and checking out your motives yeah. or do you carry on because it's actually good for the client or the other partners in the relationship? Spread your wings young. So, so, so in your case, is it, well, you know, in your experience, cause you, you, I wouldn't say you've, you've been professionally a pastor. That's it. Yeah. 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 And you've had what two transitions? Um, uh, really, just one transition, but then I guess a sense of a transition to a multi-charge, because I'm still at the one charge, but it expanded right. to two charge. Yeah. So, so I remember years ago, one of the one of the uh, kind of ways to sort that out. I'm trying to remember who wrote it. Oh gosh, uh, Yokefellows Institute. I'm trying to remember that guy's name. Who? It was called the Yoke Fellows Institute out of oh. Richmond, Indiana. And uh, gosh. But I think, you know, his point was uh, the question wouldn't be, is it, you know, should I, um, should I go? The question is, why should I stay? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so <laughs> if you look at, you know, at, apply that to Tom Brady, why should mm-hmm. he stay? I mean, heck, he's accomplished everything. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, what more was there to, for him to accomplish? Right. And so then. But what? <laughs> but couldn't you have I, said that a long time ago with him? You, yeah, yeah, you could have. But I, I, you know, I wonder 
if it then, you know, what is, what are, what are the risks? What are the costs? Yeah. I and mean, one of the reasons I left full-time ministry, well, wasn't always my choice, but kind of figured out how to deal, you know, how I, why I didn't get back into it. I'll put it that way. is because I realized the detriment it was on my family. Yep. And, you know, when I was, when I was doing full-time pastoring, I was out of the house four nights a week. Yeah. Right. Um, missing out on kids activities. Yep. Um, having a day off quote unquote day off. It was actually on a weekday when everybody was gone and I mm -hmm. really wasn't participating with the family very much. And so that was, you know, when I, so the question about, you know, um, you know, why should I stay, you know, what were the risks or what were the, the benefits The the benefits were kind of diminishing. Right. And I think that's part of that consideration. So Tom Brady, I think, I think it was, I mean, part of the gossip was that he and what was her name, Giselle, uh -huh. they needed, they needed time. They had kids they were growing and they just needed time. And I get that. That makes yep. all the sense in the world. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. When you're, when you're a gazillionaire, you don't need to work anymore. <laughs> right. You probably need to invest in, in relationships. Yep. That's true. So, so yeah, I think you know, that, that might've been part of that calculus. Why, why should I stay? I've gotten everything done and I've gotten more than I need. And yeah. Now I've got to think of what are the risks. Yep, uh, that's a good point. And, I think that, and, at, and at this point, his the risks to his body would continue to increase. Even that's just that's all it is anymore. Indestructible, <laughs> right? Man, yeah. Because wasn't point. it two years he messed up? Two years ago, he messed up his ankle. <clears throat> it was just or yeah. was it three or four years ago. But I remember that thing was just wound up in so many layers of tape. Oh yeah, um, Ugh, falling apart. Uh, okay. So I had a, uh, so in the Methodist deal, you know, like pastors are moving all the time. So right. it's a constant thing. Um, but one, but there still is, you know, there's, you get called by the Bishop and they want to appoint you somewhere else. You can say, you know, I'm not ready yet. I mean, and they will take that into consideration, you know, <laughs> types of things in the process of discernment. So you have to ask questions and a colleague of mine, who's been in the Methodist system here in the Northwest for <clears throat> 40 years or something like that, or 30 years, something like that. Um, she said that she always asks this question, am I running from something or am I running to something? And mm -hmm. if you know, that helped her, helps her uh, simplify and framework. Like, and if I were leaving, would it be because I'm running away from whatever's going on here? Or would it be like, there's an opportunity, you know, like I can sense that God has an opportunity here or, you know, whatever is it that I'm running to something. So she always asks that question about her. So one of the ways to, I was just thinking about this the other day, there's a, I wish I could find it. I was trying to find it, but there was a, a study in, um, uh, behavior, psychological, it was a psychological study on behavior as far as motivators. Mm -hmm. And I guess I was thinking about this in the, in the context of uh, uh, sports psychology, mm -hmm. but what is the greatest motivator, fear or hope? Mm. And I mean, they're both motivators. They both yes. motivate to action. Yes. And, and, um, and what's the phrase about is it necessity is the mother of invention? Mm -hmm. I mean, necessity always has, almost always has this sense of fear. I mean, it's, you have limited choices, limited options, you know, something's pressure, pressing. Yeah. And, and 
And so what's, what's the response? What about hope? I mean, does that have as much of a power to motivate and, and drive? Yeah. And so that was one of the things that I remember during, um, I think it was actually in my dissertation, working on that from, you know, standpoint of organizational dynamics and behavior. Because so many organizations go through periods of fear where all they're doing yeah. is creating a fortress wall and kind of destroying yep. themselves. Yep. And then if they actually can be motivated to get out of that defensive posture, then, then they can innovate. Yeah. Uh, but yep. probably go through a slump because whatever innovation, innovation they're coming up with, nobody's ready for. Yeah, not quite ready yet. Yeah, that's a good point. And fear, I've heard that, right? Like fear is the greater initial motivator like it gets an instant you know spark an instant mm -hmm. like yeah it kicks in even just physically or you know whatever instantly fight or flight you know stuff but like hope is the greater long you know term fuel i guess right so then so then sugar versus sugar versus uh what what would it be in physiological sugar quick sugar, sugar versus uh protein protein there you go yeah or, a yeah. Slow, slow metabolizer mm -hmm. but back to the tom brady thing tom brady becomes an interesting analogy for anybody having to make decisions about their life or commitments um so the question is what if a professional athlete or you know somebody at the top of the game retires but they don't have a hope Mm, ooh. Um, ooh. you know they might do it for other positive reasons but if they don't really have a hopeful future you know they become like uh oh the kevin costner character in bull durham yeah you know always looking yeah. to try and get back yeah uh, kind of a team tim tebow you know yep. Uh, yep. always trying to look a way to get back yep yeah um and then never really getting there and then never really being satisfied never moving on but not quite yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. or or the worst case scenario is um oh what's uh napoleon dynamite's uh uncle uncle Rico. Oh, yeah, yeah. Go Rico. <laughs> <laughs> you know reminiscing about the good old days when he you know <laughs> All right, throw it over this mountain <laughs> yeah so so without that really hopeful side somebody can be really pathetic and just frozen yeah mm-hmm Oh, that's good. Well, okay. So the other related topic has to do with deconstruction, right? This has to do with quitting, you know, destroying, even tearing down what you were doing or what came before. And well, uh, yeah, it's is destruction the same as is deconstruction the same as destruction? Is it the same as right. demolition? Right. Yeah, let's talk about that. So Okay. So, so first of all, several, what, one of the art, well, go, you, know, you go set up, set up the thing from gospel coalition. Okay. So <clears throat> the gospel coalition wrote an article. I mean, you know, cause lots of folks are talking about deconstruction and I will tell you, uh, I am pro like always, you know, always deconstructing, always reconstructing. Like it's, uh, I think that's, well, that's, that's life. <laughs> to me, isn't that part of the, the motto from the Reformation? Exactly. Always. Words? Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. So that's, I, yeah, I have no problem with that. I do, <clears throat> I do, I'm not in agreement with the gospel coalition, but I do bristle with the, like, the, the trendiness side of it, like the marketing side of it, the, you know what I mean? Like, well, it's like any good thing. I mean, missional came out 
as when you read the work of Davi Bosch, you know, yeah, yeah, or, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. Some of those really, uh, uh, what's his name? Is it uh, Keith Ward? And mm-hmm. you know, some some of these yep. really good thinkers. You're going, wow, there's some really powerful insights here. Yep. And then it gets into the hands of marketers, and yep. everything becomes missional, and it then nothing is missional, and it's mm-hmm. kind of destroyed the whole concept. Exactly. And then, so like in this, in the deconstruction vein. Um, it's um, <laughs> it's <laughs> like you don't want to rain on anybody's because that is where people are in their journey, and it should be, I think, celebrated, encouraged, but also like in today's day and age of like the social media aspect, it's almost like, well, okay, the quitting and being frozen. Like we're talking about, if there's no hope, if you're not deconstructing with some hope, I think, or with like. Um, not even hope, but just with like, I don't, there's just like a sense of being like frozen in deconstruction and no rebuilding, no, like moving forward. Like, oh, well, I got a lot of likes. I got a lot of views. I get a lot of, you know, um, a plot plaudettes and pats on the back for, um, being critical. Did you say plaudettes? Yes. For, (laughs) for, uh, being, uh. Uh, antagonistic towards the church, and so that's just that's who I'm going to be. I, okay, I don't know that. I don't know that word. <laughs> it's like uh, awards, and you know, like <laughs> wow. go Google it, it. It actually made me think of uh, Wenatchee uh, <laughs> going to the uh, uh, oh in Wenatchee, Washington. You go to the applets and. It's like, it's that candy. That's oh, yeah. Applets and cutlets. Yeah, I love those. Cutlets, yeah. Applets yeah, and cutlets, yeah. yeah <laughs> so, it, it, and I thought that might be a plum. A no, of here it is. Plot it. A P-L-A-U-D-I-T. An expression of praise or approval. The applause of an audience. So what I mean is there then becomes that is just who you are then now, right? Because right. like, oh, well, um, I get a lot of, you know, I got a lot of recognition for this. Uh, I'm now that that person. That's my brand. I'm always going to be antagonistic toward the church. I'm always going to be, you know, so I love, for example, um, um, oh, oh, what's his name? Jim. uh, Jim. Oh, boy. I can't remember his name. Jim. No, no, he's a former like he was a pastor of like one of the fastest growing churches. And and uh, Jim, let's see. Oh, Palmer. Yes, I love Jim Palmer, but. He also is seems to me in the last like 10 years just frozen. Like, yeah, yeah. That's that's who I am. I'm nothing more now. I'm always could constantly, which and there's something to be said about that. Like maybe you do need to be like the constant, you know, Sherpa for people who are in that, you know, because in 10 years there are going to be more people also in this place and they're going right. to need somebody with guidance. But you know, I don't know, it just seems like a frozen. So, so, so the gospel yeah, coalition yes, yes. <laughs> article. Oh, so do you Okay, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> was titled Why We Should Not Redeem Deconstruction. So I was saying all I wanted to say because I don't want to sound like I'm agreeing with the Gospel Coalition. I think there's so much redeeming about deconstruction. I think it's a necessary part of our life. That's what that's what I wanted to say. But I do think there's so, a danger. So of being in that article, in. do they define what deconstruction oh, is? Because <clears throat> I mean, there's been the argument, does it does its contemporary usage really fall back or or, or or rely on the the postmodern 
definition of what it was, right. which is really a, a analysis of language and a critical analysis of language. Yeah, she actually has a paragraph. She literally defines it, you know, and how she's doing it. So she has actually has a whole book about it that this article is a summary of or a reference to. Okay. It, this is, I define deconstruction this way. In the context of faith, deconstruction is the process of systematically dissecting and often rejecting the beliefs you grew up with. Sometimes the Christian will deconstruct all the way into atheism. Some remain there, but others experience a reconstruction. But the type of faith they end up embracing almost never resembles the Christianity they formerly knew. That's her full. Wow, that's a horrible definition. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, e even in the definition, it's it's filled with bias. Right. Exactly. It was very tinted. I mean, the first sentence wasn't too bad, right? I mean, it's a process of systematically dissecting and often rejecting the beliefs you grew up with. See, um, that's where that's that's where it lost me because it it uh, rejecting is a strange. That's true. That. Also, systematically. Um, it's supposed to be. Yeah. But uh, even, but, but deconstruction. Okay. So she's painting it very, and oh, it's almost clinical. Okay. So if I guess if you yeah, get into yeah. definition, you kind of start to become clinical, but God, what deconstruction is so much more than just rational holding up beliefs like, okay, so systematically, let me take my systematic theology and work through plank by plank. Some people probably do do it that way yeah but i i, it, I think that's probably not the actual experience mm -hmm. of most mm -hmm. people mm -hmm. it's usually something cataclysmic yep or something something uh, traumatic yep um or uh, long it, years it, of relational stuff going on or or simply uh enough challenges mm -hmm. to view things from a different perspective there's a book called dinosaurs on the ark i think it is oh sure science and, here we go science yeah and it's written by a professor of science a, a, a biology professor from um, texas north north texas university i think it is and it it describes um her experience of becoming awakened to evolution and it's like wait that doesn't that doesn't con that doesn't conform to everything i was told right and and then having to go through the process of embracing that and then making it in, you know fit uh, she you know it was it was that challenge of you know clashing of images or clashing of of um, systems yep and having to realize whether or not a faith system actually had space for that right which it does and she did and that's why she wrote the book right so i don't i don't know i i don't know about the book but i wonder if the title's tongue-in-cheek or i'm not sure what it, <laughs> i don't yep. think there are any dinosaurs on the ark <laughs> yeah well yes so I'm not even sure was there an arc, but I don't <laughs> right i mean now you're deconstructing too far craig yeah no no I, yeah so for me it is even more like I, it, for me, for my journey of, it was more about what type of approach to how I live faith. Is faith for me like, <clears throat> you know, argument A, if argument A, if argument B, 
therefore see, you know, some people that's how they need to operate. And if you pull out one plank, the whole thing falls apart. You know what I mean? But, so a Jenga kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Or uh, Rob Bell, how he put it was in like, is your faith more like, is Christianity more like a wall where like, if you pull out one brick, the whole thing falls apart or is it more like a trampoline? You know, if one spring gets taken out, it's not, maybe it's not the same, but you can still bounce on it and enjoy it and live it and all those things, you know? So if, you know, which is it? Is it more like a wall? Is it more like a trampoline? That's how in Velvet Elvis, he kind of, kind of. That's, a, that's an interesting analogy, because if you remove that spring, there's a little bit of trajectory to one angle, you yep. know, that's a little off center. Mm -hmm. So perhaps the, the concern is that there's too many springs on the left side that are loose. <laughs> yeah. Or there's an old saying, and I forget where this comes from, but it's talking about like in life, uh, liking it to a journey and the river is a river, a mountain is a mountain until the river is no longer a river and a mountain is no longer a mountain. And then maybe the river is a river again. And a mountain is a mountain again, <laughs> which is a weird way to talk about it. But it's like, you know, yeah. hey, I this is what I these were the definitions handed to me. This was the river. This is a river. So then, so back 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 to the terminology. So when when it it began, it was still kind of relying on this idea from Derrida about deconstructing yeah. mm -hmm. a, a critical analysis of language. Yeah. And that's probably the simplest way to deal with it instead of getting into Derrida. Because if you end up reading Derrida, you just get lost. It's easily all right. But but that's the process of, of engagement. Mm -hmm. It doesn't say anything about the idea of uh, outcome, right? And I think that's that's one of the places where it kind of gets into I shouldn't say trouble, but that's a place where it feels like it lacks. Um, like a fulfilling goal. Yep. You know, what, what is, what is the, the end result? Yeah. And if it's to reconstruct or, or maybe just to construct, not even have the word re in there. Yeah. Um, there, there is, there is some kind of project you're aiming, aiming to have at the end. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and then, each person's case it might be just something different like in one person's case it might just be like just to have some peace of mind <laughs> or right, right. or good relationships with my family or you know whatever it might be but yeah and and i i, I haven't read the the article from jared b mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but I, I did read a a comment about the article that was meant to be somewhat satirical or tongue-in-cheek yep however there might be a point to say no longer participating in something that's uh, causing damage right. i don't want to reconstruct or construct that thing anew i just want that thing to be gone yeah there you go that's a good point too a justice might be one of the that's right yeah uh, especially in our country with our history and how oh well every country but every culture but how faith well intertwined with but I think the fact that you, there's United States exceptionalism. Yeah, right. So when we're bad at something, we're exceptionally bad. <laughs> so. That's true. Yeah. But I mean, also, I mean, it's just that's where we are. So, of course, that's going to be my focus, right? It's not just. You know, you're now holding two scissors in your right hand. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, 
<laughs> important visuals. <laughs> now two big lighters, big ones. Those, like, <laughs> barbecue lighters. Barbecue. Lighters. <clears throat> yeah, no, yeah. So uh, that's a great point too, because that, I mean, don't you want to? And in that sense, we should always be examining what in the, even if it was good at one point, if it now contributing to harm, to oppression, to, you know what I mean? And so how can I adjust that or make room for other people? Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I think, uh, um, so the Pete ends, uh, podcast, uh, the Bible for normal people. Mm -hmm. And so you were referring to five things that he identified. Five challenges to staying Christian that the yeah. readers and listeners uh, pulled in five. And, and each of those become an impetus to begin this process, mm -hmm. right? Yep. And then um, what, what, what were the five? So God's violence in the Bible. Science in the Bible, that's number two. Number three, <clears throat> suffering in the world. Number four, the exclusivity of Christianity. And five, how Christians treat each other. And I would also have other, you know, beyond yeah, those. Yeah, yeah, right. But yeah. So, so all those things become, <laughs> the, each one of those can have its own level of trauma, whether it's exactly. Um, um, kind of um what's the word i'm looking for just a clash of worldviews uh, that's right and you're stuck in the middle that's right it can be broken relationships with others um you know there's in fact you could probably say that or, or a broke a break in relationship with one's self and mm. how they perceive their life should go or should should be oh it's good and <laughs> So maybe there's only three things out of those five. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, for but anyway, me, that, that's it. That's his most recent podcast. And yeah, it's, it's a really I good one. I haven't heard it yet. So yeah, we'll, we'll link to it. We'll, we'll try to catch some of that Bible for normal people buzz by <laughs> sharing a link to it. But, but I wanted to say like, when I'm reading those five and I'm thinking about, you know, people, okay. So, uh, thinking from a perspective of like if i uh, of god like if one of god's you know if the the aim i don't know i don't know how it's probably um blasphemy blasphemous for me to try to say what god's goals and purposes and aims are but but if one of the goals or aims is a loving relationship with people it, with you know then what wouldn't god be much more interested in accommodating to people and where they are on their journey of like, Hey, maybe right now, the best way for me to have a relationship with my kid, if I'm talking as a father is that we set aside, you know, what my, I think is the, the way. And I connect with my kid in the way that I can connect with him, video games, movies, books, you right, know, whatever right. it might be. I don't know. I, I would feel like I would but feel I like doesn't that say a lot about our image of God? Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, um and maybe I mean maybe 
maybe God's goals and intentions are a whole lot simpler and clearer than we think, but we try to make them more confusing by using words like omniscient and omnipotent. Yeah, right. And, right, right. You know, years ago, um, gosh, 25, maybe 30 years ago, uh, the Mennonite Church in the U.S. and Canada, we tried to create a, a confession of faith, which was a whole big mess because we're a non-confessional tradition <laughs> so and i forgot what we actually called it but um we came out with these different points but one of the things that i really liked about the methodology it said we're not going to use any words that aren't part of the biblical tradition to define the aspects of the biblical tradition like we're not going to talk about god as omnipotent omniscient you know all those kinds of things mm. you know how does the bible describe god and actually you end up coming up with a God that's a lot more incarnatable. <laughs> I like that. Not, not distant um, and judgmental. Um, less, less, less capable of seeming alien. Closer. And, and so it just seems like we just shoot ourselves in the foot by making God seem less um approachable or right. like the motivations god has are actually the motivations we share right you know for and you know i think i mentioned it a lot i just keep going back to um the bible project it seems like the bible project they've been on for like five years yeah and for the most part every episode goes back to genesis one two and three <laughs> Not crazy. <laughs> but, and, and the whole point of God is that human, not not just humans, that life flourishes. That's right. That's and right. It's like that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I, I can get behind that. Me too. So well, okay. So so is there a better word for deconstruction than deconstruction? Yeah. Is oh okay. So is it? A PR issue. Uh, yeah, it's a PR issue. <laughs> it's a PR. So what would be a better word, I guess? Uh, re, uh, re, reforming? Gosh, that one's taken. That was I taken know. 500 years ago. <laughs> I know. Um, <laughs> which, which in some ways strikes me as odd. It strikes as odd because so many of the, the folks who are so opposed to um, deconstructionism are from a calvinistic tradition right and wait wasn't he that should be right up your alley yeah. well, and they did write you know uh that that is it, it, the gospel coalition does have a few people who are pro in that form like they've written articles like hey martin luther you know about martin luther martin luther was a deconstructor but within their own cast of journalists they've responded to that and like no you cannot categorize Martin Luther is a deconstructionist. He wanted to re reform the church, not tear it down. But there, there are two parts to it too. I think, and, and Pete Enns brings it up in this, or at least alludes to it. The, there's exceptionalism, or mm -hmm. you know, that we draw these lines of who's in, who's out, and these borders. Right. In interreligious circles, that becomes really difficult. And even then, with denominational uh, lines, I mean. There's a reason I'm not a Methodist. There's a reason you're not a Mennonite. Sure. Yep. But for the most part, we're in agreement on just about everything. Oh, so close. You know, you're so close, Craig. You're almost there. <laughs> Keep working at it, Cody. But it's <laughs> but it's 
yeah, what 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 are the meanings of those lines? And those things um, get deconstructed all the time, I think, in really helpful ways. Oh, yeah. But it doesn't really change our tribe or the family we're a part of. That's right. Exactly. Um, and so I think part of deconstruction is also uh, ecclesiological. Ooh. And, and I think that's something that, you know, it would be helpful to, to dig into because that's, that's what Martin Luther was doing. He was doing ecclesiological deconstruction. Amen. But I like it. The, there's also the existential deconstruction is what Kierkegaard was doing. That's right. You know, and so I think there's room for, there's room for it. That's definitely. So back to PR. Yes. I don't know. Call it fermenting. <laughs> oh, I like it because fermentable. Well, I mean, when you're fermenting something, your it is a process that involves decay and life and, and breaking down. But yeah, exactly. And you get yeah. to enjoy what comes out of it, whatever yeah. it is. Oh, I like that. Throw it in the oven, throw it in a keg, <laughs> a pickle jar. I mean, yep. it's all good. cook it up, <laughs> soak it up. All right. Well, hey. All right. Got to wrap up. So. Okay. That was a good, nice little tight hey, discussion. That was. So, yeah, uh, we talked about a number of things, put some links together and. Yep. We'll do that. All right. Enjoy to the Tempe and uh, enjoy some grapefruit. Is it, It's probably not able to be picked yet, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, it's, it's ripe. Yeah. Oh, really? Like oh, it, I don't know why. It seems like it's ripe all year round. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so. grab one. Enjoy it. Okay. All right. Well, all right, Ben. Well, I really do got to go. So I'm not going to keep the, uh, I'm going to end it with the recording too. So you can do that. That's better than the last time. All right. <laughs> all right. Peace to you. Bye-bye. Bye, Craig. Thanks for joining Cody Stoffer and me, Craig Morton, for this podcast. We simply try to record and upload without much editing. What you get is live conversation with all its ignorance and insight, wisdom and foolishness, sometimes more of one than the other. And occasionally profound things will be said, but entirely by accident. Make sure to follow us on Facebook at the All That's Holy Blue Collar Podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so leave a comment. And look for upcoming Facebook Live podcasts where you can interact with our guests. Also, we can be found on Twitter as at All That's Holy. Our intro and outro music is by At The Speed Of Darkness. Support At The Speed Of Darkness on Bandcamp and buy his music there as well as follow him on Instagram at at the speed of darkness.